Well, it's good to be with you uh, this morning, church. A little bit different uh, service. We've mixed things up and, and shortened some stuff to, uh, to, to get to our, our celebration uh, part this morning where we're going to be asking the question, where have we been and where are we going? So from different ministry perspectives, uh, and then at, at the end, um, we'll, we'll come and talk about the, the ways in which we feel God is leading us as a church, but it would be good um, to see a snapshot uh, into things. We've got pictures and different things like that uh, to see the ways in which God is moving and, and has moved um, over this past year. So we're going to start um, with our kids. If you have uh, having, didn't get one of these at the beginning there, um, we'll have somebody walk around with a stack to hand them to you if you'd like one. Uh, if not, go and grab one out in the lobby um, after we go. But Pastor Amy, come uh, and tell us this morning uh, about the ways in which God is moving um, with our kids. Good morning. It has been a great year up uh, in the hub and in our children's ministries. Um, just a few things I want to highlight. You've got everything in your packet, but where we've been. Um, this last year, our kindergarten through fourth graders completed every single story in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, last year, I stood before you and said we were going to start this new basic reading the Bible stories of God at work and telling the story of God um, uh, and Jesus as our rescuer. And we would ask the same questions week after week. What did you like about the story? What did you not like about the story? Who would you want to be in the story? And finally, how was God at work in the story? So week after week, we told a new Bible story. We asked the same questions. It got the kids thinking, kind of interacting with the stories. They're not just being talked to. They're having some participation. Um, we took our preteens on their very first ever mission trip to the Boise Rescue Mission Center where we sorted clothing and household items for a good part of the day and Gavin ate too many chicken nuggets and we made lots of fun memories uh, um, on that mission trip. He gave me permission to tell that. Okay. <laughs> we experimented for the first time with a missional outreach VBS in our community. We took um, Matthew 28 seriously going into our community and we learned that it looks very differently to go and serve a VBS in our community parks um, versus staying here and hosting one um, in our church building. We experimented with the Generation Cafe where numerous life groups within our church signed up to plan a meal, prepare it, serve it to our children, and then sat down at the table with them and had dinner with them. And we had prearranged questions, um, things like what's the worst noise you can think of, now make it. So if they went home and did that to you guys, we're sorry. Um, Sort of. <laughs> and, but the last question consistently week after week was, how can we pray for you? And the children would share their prayer requests with whatever adults were sitting with them at their tables. And after the kids left um, dinner and did their devotional and activity or game, they were prayed for by name, by their specific request, by the adults who were hosting and serving them dinner that night. And that was very, very special. We watched four of our Bennett High Ministry teens graduate high school, and we met new teen parents at the beginning of the school year that we've been connecting with by going in once a month and doing activities with them in their school class. We shared our love with them by hosting them at our church in December for a Christmas dinner, and many of you participated in that love by buying little wish list items off of our tree in the foyer that we had tagged items that they just dreamed of having or needed, and so we thank you for that. And lastly, the thing I want to highlight um, over this year was we transformed our church nursery. We're using the space we have, um, and we made it more infant and toddler friendly, so we're using more of the space more efficiently. It's more sanitary, and come on, it's just more fun. 
we also have hired a nursery worker. Her name is Ashley, if you haven't met her yet. And she's here every Sunday and every Wednesday. And she is that consistent presence, that consistent face that takes care of our little ones week after week. And they love her and the parents love her. It's been a win-win for us. Where are we going? Well, we finished the Jesus Storybook Bible. We started a new curriculum, and it is much more in-depth. It's making the kids um, be more part of the story. They have to go grab a Bible, whether they brought one or not. They have to look up scriptures, and once everyone's gotten to the place in the Bible, we read together stories of God and how he is at work in our lives. Um, and we ask more detailed questions. It's no longer, what did you like about the story? What did you not like? It's review questions. What did you just hear? How is God at work in this situation? You know, how does God work in our lives in a similar situation. So it's very challenging for our teen teams that are teaching it, and also for our kids they are growing. And that's so important to have them in the Word of God um, as we disciple our kids. Um, our kindergarten through sixth graders are going to begin a missional project with our very own Haley Slaughter. She's not here right now, but um, she's going to be working with them on making uh, care bags for our homeless in our community. So that's an exciting project we're looking forward to. We're going to open up Generation Cafe again this summer. And whichever whoever comes, um, come. We're going to feed them. We're going to minister to them. We're going to get to know them. We're going to connect to them. So start planning on getting involved in that ministry. Special speakers from our own congregation have been coming on Wednesday nights to share their stories, their testimonies, child-friendly testimonies of how they met Jesus, how they grew um, in Jesus, how God's at work in their lives, and then sharing things either that they do with their jobs or hobbies or things like that. And it has been a wonderful and very special time up in the Hub. We're going to continue going into Bennett once a month, building that relationship uh, with those teen parents of our community and their littles. There are so many ways to get involved and invest in our children, from serving snacks, helping with behavior control, being a special speaker, VBS volunteer teacher. If you are interested in serving in this ministry, come see me. I would love to talk to you about it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Amy. Pastor Amy does an incredible job um, with our kids uh, and leading uh, that whole kids crew um, to help invest in the lives of our students. And so we're so thankful um, for her. Well, next is uh, in, your, in your care packet, it says youth, but that's just because I stapled it wrong. And after 112 of those, I wasn't going to redo it, right? <laughs> So next is uh, Pastor Debbie um, with Care uh, Care Crew, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Pastor Debbie's transition into Care Pastor, um, but tell us what you've been doing, Pastor Debbie. So the question that comes to most people that I've been asked of, what is care ministry exactly? And that's a really good question. Um, a question that we've been experimenting with a bit and one that we are seeking God's direction in. Care ministry could be a variety of areas, but we want to explore what that looks like in our local content and experience ourselves. Um, your packet shows a few of those areas that we have touched on the last few months. I want to thank Doris Walters for her continuous work with Pat Thorpe on arranging meals once a month with our Evergreens, and Lisa Ling and all of our baristas for serving coffee to help bring proceeds to other ministries. There is one thing I can say for sure. Care ministry is a call to people in response to a time of need, whether that is in a crisis moment or support for a period of time. Sharing life together. I've had the privilege to share in life with several within our own local church. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. It is life-giving in more ways than one. The homebound ministry has been one of the ministries I wanted to explore and experience a little bit more. To see how we could, as a church, meet the needs of those outside of our walls 
or for those who are unable to attend church due to illness, physical challenges, loneliness, and simply feeling lost. And it's been extremely challenging and rewarding at the same time. Each of our recipients, those um, names have been given to us by the Treasure Valley Hospice, have their own story and situation that has kept them at home for a short period of time or for some, not by their own choosing, more on a permanent stay. Studies are showing, as a result of increased longevity, our society and churches face a major demographic shift. Projections predict that the over 65 age group will become the fastest growing part of our congregation within the next 10 to 12 years. And one of those challenges is for us to ask ourselves as a church, how do we meet those who are unable to come to church, receive communion or fellowship with other believers? How do we meet the needs of the homebound and the hurting? We've already begun those initial steps in connecting with those that are in need and beginning a friendship and sharing life together through God's love. It is a beginning and not a complete means yet. We're still working through that process, how that works and what that looks like exactly. My hope is by working with local agencies, we can come together and provide other resources and services to meet the physical and mental needs while we go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in order to meet a more spiritual need. An Alzheimer dementia group has recently begun using our facility as a place for meeting and coming together. We are praying over other valuable resources to aid in our community and church body, such as a grief support group, transportation to pick up the homebound, and other ways to connect and reach out to our community. Since my initial time of starting this new ministry in September, two of these wonderful people have passed away, which shows me just how much more important it is to reach out. In my time teaching on Wednesday nights, we learn to consider what influence God could have through our lives if we are willing to allow him to live within us. We also talked openly about a few hard subjects that were only the beginning of a conversation that perhaps will help us in caring for people that God brings alongside of us. All these different pieces of a thread, if you will, stories from our senior group, our homebound, our Wednesday night lessons come together. They all tend to blend and bring a beautiful masterpiece of God's woven work. And I'm excited to see how God moves us forward in this challenge in ministry. All right. You notice on the top of that uh, care page um, is, a, is a little blurb about uh, Pastor Debbie's transition. I uh, remember uh, she uh, transitioned from youth ministry uh, as our youth pastor for over 10 years um, and stepped in this new role. Um, and she's done an incredible job. Um, in, in her, in her, yeah, you can clap for her. Go, go perfect, Pat. Yeah, she's done an incredible job in that, in that transition. I'm willing to try new things, really connecting with people um, and, and, uh, and putting all of herself um, out there. And so we are excited and thankful uh, for Pastor Debbie um, this morning. And so your next uh, report is the teen report, that, which I will do um, there. I remember the, the transition of Pastor Debbie, and then, uh, and then um, I stepped in during the summer and got to go to summer camp. I think we got one picture uh, of that as we um, had the opportunity to go to, to camps with them, uh, with, our, with our students, and, and watch them grow in that way. Um, and then we came back um, and actually hired a youth pastor, um, but realized very, very quickly, like uh, within the first couple of weeks that it just wasn't going wasn't gonna to work. 
Um, he wasn't ready for that, uh, that position quite yet. Um, and so gracefully allowed him to, to go and to uh, continue his education uh, as, as he uh, continues that process to become uh, a pastor. And so then I, they got the old guy again, right? I stepped back in, um, and then, and honestly, it, it like really couldn't happen um, without our volunteers. And so I read there uh, the Abregos, Katie Tragus, uh, Alicia, uh, and others. You guys have, that have uh, driven our kids to camps or winter retreats or or whatever. I'm very thankful for your investment in the lives. Um, of our students. Um, But we have uh, some incredible kids uh, in our church, students in our church, teenagers in our church, whether they go to youth group or not, like you're just studly, right? Like you're just awesome. Uh, And so um, we're thankful for the ways in which God is continuing to draw um, our students uh, together. Um, We're trying new things and and mix it up so they don't get used to me uh, very much. And so uh, we've been doing different teachings and and try to to mix up the way that we sit and and how we do things. Um, And so uh, that's been fun. But looking forward, uh, currently we have two uh, prospects, or I don't know what you call them, interviewees, um, that Pastor Stephanie is investigating like uh, a background check specialist. I don't know. Like she's like calling their their second cousin's uncle uh, and asking about them and how they interact. She's not playing around. I would not want to be them. Uh, But uh, two two uh, two uh, youth pastors that we are currently in conversation with that we will interview uh, later this month probably uh, and so continue to pray for our students and for the pastor that God has for them uh, in this season uh, of our church we are incredibly hopeful um, for the ways in which God will lead us um, there and so I uh, continue uh, to pray and so uh, Pastor Stephanie we'll move on to core values this morning. So my assignment in this, uh, the shenanigans this morning was to talk about where we've been as a corporate body. And we're going to do that by talking through our uh, core values. You know, we have our mission statement, love God and love people. But our core values really help us embody that, help us flesh that out in some practical ways. So we're just going to walk through those uh, briefly and there follow along in your packet if you'd like to. The first is we are gathered and scattered. We are gathered together to be shaped by God and then scattered out to our unique places and spaces in life to make Jesus known. Well, this year, the Holy Spirit continued to gather us for worship, to shape us into the image of Jesus, and to scatter us back out into the world to join God's mission. So during our gatherings this year, we have sought to continue to live into the rhythms of the church calendar from Lent and Easter, Pentecost and ordinary time, and finally Advent and Epiphany once again. And we sought to bring the word to you from all over scripture, from all the way from Genesis, all the way through the epistles. Um, and your pastoral team has worked really hard this year to provide some varied and meaningful ways uh, for you to engage with God in different seasons of the year. During Advent, we did, you know, books and music and art and all kinds of stuff. And Lent is coming and I have something new and I'm very excited. So just prepare yourself. It's going to be so fun. Anyway, uh, but you weren't just gathered this year. You were also scattered. You see, Sunday is not the only day of the week that matters. You were scattered into your unique places and spaces in life, embodying the Jesus way to your friends and your coworkers and your family. You were scattered all over town in every single school in this city, at the dairies, at the factories, in the Air Force and in the Guard, in the banks and in the gyms and in the offices. You take seriously God's call to faithfulness, not just on Sundays, but every day. And so for that, we give God the praise. Well, not only we were gathered and scattered, we also lived into our second core value is we don't stay the same. 
We respond to the Holy Spirit's call to walk down paths that lead to restoration through learning and growth in community. And so we continued our commitment to provide opportunities for growth and learning in community. Uh, Pastor Debbie's already talked a little bit about Wednesday nights. Um, her and I shared that role a little bit this year, and that has been a wonderful partnership. And I also had the unique privilege of walking through a membership class with nine people. Now, I know this really reveals my nerd card hand pretty severely, but I love going through membership class, talking about the history of the Nazarenes and our articles of faith and the theology. It's so great. Not because of the content, but because of the people. I had nine people who God had gathered into uh, the family of God. And not only the family of God, but this specific body of believers. And so it's so exciting to see that God is continually drawing people to himself and to this congregation. So we need to be ready to respond to that. So that's been awesome. Well, as your packet notes, we also had a number of other groups like the Women's Bible Study, which rocks, uh, Divorce Care, and Financial Peace University. We're hoping to offer another session of that soon. And then this is what's exciting for, uh, for me. Uh, starting in April, we are doing uh, beginning a brand new experiment. Remember, we always do experiments. We're going to try it out and see how it works, right? Um, it is called the Next Steps class. It's a four-week uh, class under the leadership of Leland and Nancy Powell. You see, we have seen a dramatic influx of people who are returning to faith after many, many years absent, or some are responding to God's call to the church for the very first time. And so we have a lot of people coming in that have very little understanding of the church and the Bible and all that stuff. And so our prayer for this class is to create this natural starting place for folks who come with questions and need to learn and to respond to God. And it's been so cool because, right, and it shouldn't surprise me, but you know, God just does that. Uh, as Tommy was bringing this idea to me and I was like, I think you're right, let's, but who's going to like be the champion of this, you know? And so he brought it to the board and they said, yeah, you're right, we need to do this. And so we just kind of sat with it for a while because you need, you need a champion. And I kid you not, two weeks later, Leland Powell rolls up to me in the aisle and says, we need, we need to have a talk. And when someone says to you, we need to have a talk, I mean, like, what have I done? You know, <laughs> but, um, but no, it wasn't what I had done. It was what God was doing. God had already planted that seed in their heart and it was coming to flower in their hearts. And so we are eager to respond to this need of next steps in faith. And that first session, four week session will start April 8th. So if you want to get in on that, you talk to me or you talk to Leland. Uh, next, we are better together. We practice radical hospitality and truly believe that people need people. This year, you guys per uh, prepared dozens of meals for the meal train. Man, you always rock at the meal train for people recovering from illness and bringing home babies. Countless notes and texts and just words of encouragement have been given to one another. You guys have loved each other so well this year. Our evergreen group continued to gather for fellowship, and our blessed group has become a close-knit band of sisters loving and supporting each other through the ups and downs of parenthood. And life groups have continued to thrive this year and relationships have deepened. But, you know, it's better than hearing me chatter about life groups is hearing Catherine chatter about it. So wherever you went, you moved rows. There you are. She's going to share her story about how life groups have impacted her life. I don't have the mic. Oh, we were hiding it. Yeah, you're good. So some of my life group is here, so no secrets will be told. <laughs> So when Pastor Stephanie asked me to talk about life groups, the first thing that came to my mind was the three good reasons why not to join a life group. So I'll share what Steve and I, were when we were discussing it, when this first grand experiment started. The first one was, is, well, we don't really know anybody that well, and do we really want to get to know them that well? <laughs> I'm not super social. Steve's more social. but we're like, eh. And then, you know, we're kind of tired after work. 
been a long day, and our third reason is, well, we go to church on Sundays, that's enough. But Pastor Stephanie and Pastor Tommy promised easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps, so we thought we would give it a go. I can just say our life group is amazing. Whoop. <laughs> fist bumps. Yeah, go. fist bumps back there. Uh, it turns out that I'm really glad that I've gotten to know the crazy group of people that are in our life group. They're our family now. We've built trust. Uh, we pray. We eat. We talk. We laugh. We eat some more. Uh, we cry together. We share our heartaches, our hope, uh, and together we are better. Um, I'm still tired after work. I think everybody probably is tired except for the retired people in our group. <laughs> um, but this group of people energizes me. It energizes my husband as well. Um, we always feel better after spending an evening together with them. And it continues to amaze me that we're not the only people with struggles. And we can share that in our life group now. Um, yes, we still go to church on Sundays, but life group goes beyond, beyond what I call glad handing. Glad to see you. Uh-huh. And then everybody sits down because Pastor Stephanie starts playing the piano louder and louder until everybody sits down. Um, life groups go deeper. Uh, we can talk about the sermon. We talk about our lives. We talk about our health, our children. You name it, in our life group, we have probably covered it because we cover a diverse top set of topics sometimes. So I would just encourage you, find a life group. We all have reasons for not joining one, um, but I challenge you, find a life group and see how God is transforming our lives um, in life groups all over Mountain Home. Some meet in the day, some meet at night. Our life group, we have from retired to people with little kids, so it's, it's transformative, and we really appreciate the opportunity not to check. I don't like cookies. Yes, that's absolutely right. So uh, like she said, why am I using that? There you go. Yeah. Like she said, um, easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps. And so over the next couple weeks, uh, sign-ups are open. So if you would like to join a life group, either fill out the bottom of your bulletin, fill out the square paper on a high table, or do it online. And the next set of life groups starts uh, February 25th. And so, you know what, you'll try uh, a new diet for six weeks. You'll try a new shampoo for six weeks. Why not try a life group for six weeks and just see what happens, okay? Well, good stuff. Well, the la uh, second to last, I guess, uh, um, core value is we practice extravagant generosity. God is the owner and provider of all, so we give back to God what God has given to us. Well, through the Lord's faithfulness and through your obedience, annual giving exceeded expectations this year. Uh, we paid all of our district and global budgets in full, meaning we had a hand in funding the World Evangelism Fund. That is the Nazarene source that funds our leadership and our work all around the world. It funds our missionaries, refugee work, child development centers, hospitals, and universities. And so it is exciting to be a part of what the Church of the Nazarene is doing all around the world. It's great stuff. We also had 30 new givers this year, people that gave for the first time at least once, and four of those were students. So thanks be to God, our kids are embracing this uh, culture of generosity. We also fully funded our faith promise budget of $10,000 this year, and that money came in on top of your regular tithes and offerings, and it funded a multitude of ministries that you can read about in your packet there, uh, both locally and abroad. And you'll see a graph there at the bottom just showing our expenses and our income. Now, if you're a numbers person and I know you're out there, 
out there in these pews. I did put up, print out some packets of the line by line budget expenditures. If you would like to see that, those are always available. We have full transparency. And if you have questions about any of that, you can talk to Tommy or I or also to our treasurer, Bill Schultz. Uh, but again, I don't want to just talk to you about dollars and cents. I could sit up here and give you all kinds of numbers, but extravagant generosity is not about dollars and cents. It is about the question, who is Lord, even of my wallet? Participating financially in the ministry of the church, both locally and around the world, is a discipleship issue. For by surrendering every part of our lives to God, even our money that so easily entraps our hearts, we are saying yes to Jesus and to his transformative power in our lives. So that's the story that I want you guys to hear today, a story of obedience and transformation. So about this time last year, Travis came up to me and told me that he wanted us to start tithing faithfully um, and do 10%. So I knew nothing about tithing. I actually thought it was called Tide and offerings. And I even wrote that on several of our tithe checks in the memo. So I'm sure the office had a great laugh over that. So at the time that we decided to start tithing, Travis was leaving the Air Force and becoming a civilian. So we went from knowing exactly how much we were going to get every single paycheck from a salary to if you don't work, you still get paid, not only to having a huge pay cut, but we don't know how much we're going to have every paycheck. And if you don't work, you don't get paid. And then we also decided at the same time to start working towards paying off our house. So we sat down and came up with a number. We wanted to pay extra every month. So needless to say, there was a lot of anxiety and trepidation. And we're not sure how we're going to afford all of this. But we're going to go forward with it and just trust. So within a couple months, we realized that somehow, even though we were making less money, we had more money. So all of our needs were met every month, bills, food. We were able to pay the extra towards our house. And we were able to put money into savings still. And then when life happened, like the lovely wind we have here knocked half our fence over, we were okay and we could fix it and wasn't an issue. So it's been really interesting to see what he's done this past year. And we're excited to see what's going to happen this year. what I want you to hear in Haley's story is not pop in your tithe and outcomes like bonus money. What I want you to hear in Haley's story is how her and Travis's life has been transformed because they have placed their full trust in the provision of God. They've recognized that God is not a God of scarcity, but a God of abundance, and they are living fully in trust, and God is providing for them in faithfulness. So thanks be to God, and we have good days ahead. So the last I want to share is we give our lives away. We are a part of something bigger than ourselves, the kingdom of God. We join in God's work so that people can know Jesus. Now, this year you modeled what it means to give your lives away, both as individuals and as a body within the church and beyond our walls. So many of you volunteered within the church, uh, locally in the community and abroad. Uh, lots of you came to hear Connie share about her work in Croatia a couple weeks ago. And pretty soon when we set a date, we're going to uh, get to hear about Latera's time in India, which I'm so excited to hear about. Um, and we made, I want to acknowledge, we did make a significant change this year by uh, not holding our annual free-for-all. Uh, there were a number of reasons, but mainly we needed to reimagine what it meant to better meet the needs of our community in a meaningful way over a period of time. And so we're kind of reimagining that and prayerfully seeking God's guidance. We have some upcoming things, a service opportunity in late April, as well as um, some dreams, new dreams that God is planting in hearts of people in our congregation, including that of a Hope House. 
we imagine something like a maybe a year-round free-for-all type resource center for people in our community. And so we're just praying for God's guidance and open and closed doors as we seek to provide um, more consistent service opportunities in partnership with this community. So thanks be to God for his work amongst us and through us this year. Well, as we come to the uh, question of where is God leading us, uh, over and over again, um, these, uh, these, this past couple of weeks, um, a couple of different things have been coming to our minds. And finally, like last night, there's these three words that like have been coming. I said, I probably should write down these words, right? Uh, and, and one of them is open, and the next one is give, and the next one is grow. Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks uh, for Pastor Stephanie and I. Like, I had a birthday, um, and then we changed our, our vanity lights in our bathroom, and their LEDs, so they're really light. And then we bought an old Subaru that actually has a moonroof. It's kind of fun. So I realized, like, I'm balding, right? And so it's been, it's been one of those weeks, right? I mean, one of those uh, times. And then, and then uh, while we were on our, our, our uh, study retreat, um, Pastor Stephanie, hey, you should take this personality test. And everybody knows the personality tests are fun, right? And so we take this personality test, and we start to go through the results. And, like, a, a lot of them were awesome. Like, I found out, which I already knew, that, that I'm called uh, an observer or an investigator. Like, I just look at big picture type things. I can see stuff and, and do all that, blah, blah, blah. And it says you can learn other things. And you kind of get proud when you get those things, the first part, right? And so, like, if you had, wore a suit all the time, you say, yeah. That's me, right? That's me. And then it, then it lists off uh, some people that are like you or that you're like, rather. Uh, yeah, you share a personality with Albert Einstein. <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh, right? Bill Gates. And the last one's hilarious. Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> no clue. It's been a long time since that movie, right? And so there were a lot of good stuff, and then we, then we transitioned into the hard stuff, right? So I'm, remember, I'm already balding. It's been tough. I've just got a year older. And then it, then it starts to give out the hard realities. The greatest fear of my type is the fear of being useless or helpless or incapable. And the tendency of my type under stress is to recluse and to close myself off. And so I noticed that the weeks and the weeks after, uh, in my prayers and in my, my, my prayer journal, um, these, these phrases keep coming up over and over again where, where I am crying out to God, God, would you open me up? Would you open my eyes to see others? Would you open my heart to be moved with compassion? Open me up. And it's pretty incredible when you're... When you're intentional about something and looking for something that you can find a lot of that something, right? And so it only takes one 10-minute trip to Walmart or one Facebook perusing, stalking in my case. Remember, I'm the observer. It only takes one of those trips to realize that, that, that we live in a pretty, like, broken place. And not only that, people need Jesus. So I'm just reminded of this over and over and over again. Open me up. 
And then my mind goes to uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, you have your Bibles with you. You can turn there uh, very quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 14 through 16, um, Jesus has just started his ministry, right? He's been baptized. He's, he's been in the desert. He's, he's uh, preached a little bit. He, he gathers his disciples and, and healed people. And now he's on uh, the side of the mountain talking to people that have gathered uh, there for him. Some of those people are, are now going to be the, the, the church, the future church. And he sits down on the mountain with them and he goes through the, the, the blessed bees, right? Blessed are the poor and all of these. And he gets to ones that we're maybe a little bit familiar with. You are the salt of the earth. And then, he, and then he says the next one, that, that you might know from your favorite nighttime kids camp flashlight devotional. It says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and they give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, think about that for a second. He, he's looking at people and he says, you are the light of the world. He does not say, I am the light of the world. He says that in John. In this place, he says, you, like y'all, you all, you are the light of the world. He mentions the city on a hill. If you've ever flown in an airplane at nighttime, you know that, that seeing the lights of the city are a big deal. There could be a dude that's taken sleeping pills and have slept for nine hours next to you, but he's going to wake up to lean over and to look out the window, right? It just happens. We're, we're intrigued. We're drawn to the light. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I thought about this the other day. How many of your, your electricity went out like a couple months ago and it was very dark, right? And you scrambled for that flashlight. You forgot where you put, right? And so we were about to go to the, the high school play, JoJo and I, and we're getting ready and we're about ready to leave. And then boom, the entire neighborhood shut down. The world shuts down, it seemed. Like no neighbors had flashlights. It was creepy. There was no light. And so we grab the flashlight, and everybody comes to the flashlight, right? JoJo's in her room, like she just went to go grab her coat. She's all alone, you know, like she's looking for the flashlight. And then what do we do? We gather around, and it's cold outside. It was back then. It's not now. We gather around, and we started a fire. And where does everybody gather? They gather at the fire, Right. They're gathered at the fire. They, the, the, the fire is a, is a comforting uh, presence. They, they gather around the, the light. And so here we are, Jesus telling us that we are the light of the world, that when we are in him, when we walk in his light, we are the light. So thinking that in a world where the power's out, it's as if you have, a, you have a flashlight, not because you're perfect, not because you have all your junk together, but because you met Jesus. You are the light of the world. God, open me up. As we think about the church in this next year and the years uh, to come, a story has stuck with me uh, over and over again. I replayed the story in my head, and, and it just won't leave. And it's a, it's a, it's a made-up story, so to speak. But I want you to grab your kindergarten carpet square 
because it's story time, right? Grab your imagination. You might not have used it for a while, but that's all right. But imagine with me, um, which is not hard to do. We, this has happened in Haiti not too long ago, um, that an earthquake has just struck an island and 50,000 people are injured, right? And there are two teams, and you are reporters, and it's your job, our job, to follow these two teams, Team 1 and Team 2, that are medical teams with the doctor as well as the staff, and they are completely identical, right? I'd say clone, but we can't use that in church, right? So they're completely identical. There's a doctor has the same amount of training. There's a team with the same amount of experience. Their equipment is all the same. And we're going to follow them to this island and watch them as they attempt to treat 50,000 people. And so we hop on the big helicopter with all the, the supplies. And we go and we, we land with them. And, and we watch team number one. Team number one starts to unload their stuff from, from, from the helicopter. And as they're unloading the stuff from the helicopter, the, the doctor, the leader, is moved with compassion. He sees a lady that's stuck under the rubble. And so he, he drops all his other stuff. He grabs his medical bag and he runs to the woman that is stuck. And he starts to treat her, and his team comes after him, and, and they start to help. And he has half of his team now uh, helping this one woman who is stuck in this place. And they're there. They're helping this lady. And while they're helping this lady, another group of, of survivors come, and they bring to them another person that, 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 is, that is severely injured. And so the doctor says, hey, uh, the rest of my team, you go and help them. And so they're there, they're helping these people. They, they get done with them and the cycle continues. There's more and more people coming. So they sit, sit down in just one second and they ask the question, what will solve this problem? We have 50,000 people to help. How are we going to help all of these people? And so they decided that the best solution to solve their problem is they were going to make themselves more available. Right? They're going to they're gonna push through. They're going to get it done. They're going to work 20-hour days. Seven days a week, because what's the use of a day off in a place where people are hurting? So they do it. They, they work 20-hour days. They sleep four hours. They rotate. So, so there's always somebody there helping. And, and, and you know what happens. Weeks go by, a couple weeks, and they realize that they are done. Like their bodies are broken because of the strenuous activity of helping others. Their minds are broken because there's just too much to comprehend. There's too much to do. We can't do it all. We can never be uh, available that much. So eventually they go home. They get back on the plane, disappointed, defeated that they didn't help the, the amount of people that they wanted to help. And it's not a fun situation. And so that us as reporters, we, we move on to team number two. Remember, it's the same team. It's the same education. It's the same equipment. It's the same amount of people. We move on to team number two, and we follow them into action. They, they, get, they get off the, the helicopter. They start to unload their stuff, and they look around. And the doctor, the leader of the crew, moved with compassion, says, Oh, my mercy. Like, how are we going to help all of these people? All of these people need an incredible amount of help, and we only have this, this small crew here. How are we going to do it? There is no way that we are going to get all this done. And so they stop to pause for a moment, and, and they realize that there is no way that they're going to get it all done, but they need help. And so the doctor just walks up to a random guy that doesn't look sick or doesn't look broken and says, hey, could you help me? 
And the guy says, yes. And so he said, okay, well, your job is going to be only to think about water because we're going to need water when people wake up from surgery. They're going to be thirsty. And so I want you to worry about water. Your job is going to literally like save people's lives. And, and he sees two more people. Hey, you guys, you look like you can put Ikea furniture together. You're going to help me set up the tent, Right? Because that tent's going to keep out the dirt and the, and the bugs and all this stuff. And, and that's where we're going to bring people. So you guys set up the tent. That's your job. Your job is going to save lives. And you three, I want you to worry about food. And, and you two, I, I want your, your only job to, to, to be uh, about, about sewage, like prevention. We don't want to get sick, so you're going to do that. And by the way, all of your jobs are just going to, they're literally going to save people's lives. The solution is not to be available more. The solution is, is that every single person that is not buried in rubble has a role to play. Everyone who is not buried in rubble has a role to play. Now, I think this illustrates the church in an incredible way. It's not a perfect image, but it's good. Like, think about it. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Now you are a body of Christ, and each of you is a part in it. Each of us has a role to play. We're the, the hands and feet of Jesus, and everyone understands. If you're not buried in rubble, you have a role to play, and maybe we can translate to that to the church. If you are heading towards Jesus, you have a role to play. But here's where the give comes, right? Remember the, the open and the give? The give is, is that we recognize that it's going to cost us something, right? That's why we, one of our core values is that we give our lives away so that others might know Jesus. That if it's about everybody has a role to play, we know it's going to cost us something. And if you haven't heard that and we haven't said that enough in this place, then we're going to double it up and you might get sick of us, right? We give our lives away so that others might know Jesus. You have a role to play and it's probably going to cost you something. You've got a role to play in your scattering in places that I'll never dream of, of being able to go and meeting people that you hang out with on, another, on every day that I'll never meet. And you also have a role in our gathering, right? This year, our battle cry as a church is going to be Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. We're going, to, we're going to say it over and over again. We're going to be reminded of it over and over again that this is about equipping the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built it's just like the, the doctor's story, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. But guess what? Your pastors, and I'll even, I won't speak for Stephanie, I'll speak for myself up here. Guess what tendency ours is, and guess what doctor we naturally head towards? Doctor one or doctor two? Remember, we're from the Midwest. We're people that just work and get it done. Honestly, we just, we just want to work and get it done. We are moved with compassion, so I'll just do the work, and I'll, I'll just put more time, and I'll just, I'll just be there more. I'll just get it done because that's what I've always done. I'll just get it done. We'll make that happen. 
but we realize that this is more than just about us and getting stuff done. That they, they, we, will, we will completely mess this up, right? We have the opportunity to completely mess this up. So rather than completely mess it up, our job is to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built the reality is, guys, that, that, that God is gathering people and God is scattering you as people. But when we talk about gathering, God is gathering people in this body of Christ every single week. And I can't imagine uh, doing this without the volunteers that we already have. I just can't. Like, this would be a very quiet and coffeeless place. Can't imagine. It would be very quiet and very coffeeless. Well, it probably wouldn't be quiet because my son would be very loud. But the reality is it's just too much. There's too much hurt. There's too many people that need care. It's just too much. So this year is our year to learn that if we're not trapped in the rubble, we have a role to play. We have to develop that understanding that the Holy Spirit is gathering people that are far from God here in this local community. And when you think about it, people don't usually, unless they've moved here with the Air Force, and if you're a visitor, this wasn't you today, people don't usually come to church just because it's a fun thing to do. On our study week last week, we went to visit another Nazarene church just to say hi and see how things are going and, and see what they were doing. And I didn't want to get out of the car because it's weird going into a new church, right? If I, my wife wasn't there, I would have gone eat to eat something. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> right? It's hard. And so people don't just come to church because that's just a fun thing to do. Usually, if people have never been to church before, they come to church in the middle of a storm. I come when my, when my marriage is falling apart. I come when my, when my kids are driving me crazy, which that's why I come sometimes too. I come when things are hard, right? When things are tough, when I don't have answers. Uh, some people come because the, their mom took them to a VBS when they were seven years old and they were suddenly reminded that that might be a place to be good to be. Looking for, for, for different direction. They come in, in these Moments. So I want, in the last couple minutes that we have, I want us to picture something for us. Again, get your carpet scores out. I want you to think about Bobby. If your name's Bobby, I apologize. I tried to choose a name that nobody's here, right? I want you to think about Bobby for a second. Bobby's a, a person that, that lives in Mountain Home who's just hit a, a pretty traumatic life event. You can fill that event in and fill that blank in if you'd like to. But Bobby is hurt. And Bobby is broken, and Bobby has no hope. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. But the whole time, Bobby is broken, and Bobby is hurt, and Bobby is, is hopeless. God has been drawing Bobby to himself. Like every day, there's some little thing that happens that, that, that God brings across his path to remind him of God's love. But Bobby doesn't know it. Bobby doesn't see it that way just weird things that, that, that are happen like someone's incredibly kind to bobby at walmart and they notice him or or one that i heard recently which i think is hilarious the the, the work truck is turned to a christian music station and the words of the song just connect 
Like they just pierce his heart. And it's just unexplainable and he can't name it. He has no clue what God is doing. And then his grandma calls. Says, Bobby, I know that you just went through this and and I want you to know that I love you and, and that I've been praying for you and I've prayed for you for 23 and a half years every single day. And then his co-worker notices that he's not doing so well. So he stops what he's doing and he goes to talk and to encourage Bobby. And Bobby uh, is there and he, he suddenly remembers uh, that, that last summer when, when, when you guys went out for lunch, uh, it was one of you and, 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 and you went out for lunch and Bobby noticed on the dashboard of your, of your truck that you had this goofy looking station wagon that said, go in action and go in peace. And Bobby said, is that your toy car? Right? He said, no, Bobby, that's the thing my church is doing. It's just a fun little thing, and we take selfies. And maybe you explained it, or maybe you talked about it, or maybe you didn't. That's not what Bobby remembers. Bobby just remembers that you go to church. And Bobby's grandma has been praying for him for 23 and a half years. So Bobby stops, and he asks you, where do you go to church? And the next Sunday, Bobby comes to church. Think about that for a minute. Like this stuff happens. And it may have happened for you, but for a grandma to pray for her grandson for 23 and a half years and and for all of these things to happen and for God to be moving in Bobby's life in this way, I want to be a place and and, and be a pastor and we want to be a people that never take that for granted and we will never waste an opportunity to show God's love in this place or out in that place. We will be scattered and we will be gathered. And so we come to the grow. For some of us, it's a big deal to step out and serve. For others of us, we've doing it, we're doing it for a long time. But God is going to grow us. And we're not talking about numbers. We don't need to be a number game. We're talking about lives. Like God's going to grow us, not just newcomers, but us as well. But when we step out and become the church, that's growth. When we, we step out and to serve others, growth happens there in pretty incredible ways. Grow happens when we learn that God has gifted us and, and it's awesome to use those gifts within the church. It's awesome to serve others. I've told you that story of, of Daryl Rafis, grumpy Daryl Rafis, which he wasn't very grumpy, he's awesome. How he pointed to me as a, as a teenager, as I was sitting there watching everybody else stack chairs and said, Tommy, you probably should get up and help. An invitation to, to stop watching and start participating. And literally, the stacking of chairs in the service or in the church turned into this. So that means be careful. Literally, be careful because God uses that to grow us when we step out in faith and we say, oh, this is scary. Oh, I don't want to shake that person's hand. Oh, I can't do this, right? We begin to to learn how to trust more and then we serve with others and there's nothing like serving with others. And so we begin to be more connected and we begin to, 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 to love the people around us and God uses that to grow us as a people, as a body of Christ. Last thing, last story that I'll leave you with. And the only reason I'm sharing this story about Lisa Ling and CeeLo, if you know Lisa and CeeLo, there's a picture. Only reason I'm sharing the story is because they are in Malaysia. 
and th they probably are off the plane, but they were on like a 17-hour flight, right? Because she would absolutely kill me if she knew her picture was on the screen right now. Lisa is our church secretary, and Lisa is incredible. Like, she really, like, she's an incredible lady, and she, she does so much for the church, and she, she didn't have to be asked. She just does it, right? Like, it's like overflowing from her heart, and, and CeeLo's always right there doing it with her, and they just, they just, like, they're just giving and giving and giving, and at, at first, you think, like, is she just, like, trying to earn her pay? But, friends, she does not get paid that much, right? <laughs> right? Like, they say, oh, if you paid me, I'd do that too. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. Right? She just completely like is giving and giving and involved and cares and loves and, and she's like all out. And, and there have been times where I've literally have to stop them and say, go home. Right? Easter, go home. You don't need to be here seven days a week. Go home. Stop washing the dishes. Oh, CeeLo, put it down. Right? And he doesn't. Go home. But we're thinking about this progression of, of Lisa and CeeLo. I think when, before we hired her as our secretary, I think I, I interacted with them two or three times. And I don't even remember the interaction very well. Right? They sat in the back of their first service and, 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 and don't remember that very well. Incredible ways God has grown them as, as people. Like incredible ways where I learned from them of what it means to, to give my life away and to truly love the people that I'm serving for, from Lisa and CeeLo. And so I'm hopeful and excited and I wonder how many Lisas and CeeLo's that are gifted, that are incredible, that love and care are sitting in our, in our church right now. Like that's exciting. And what God can do when we say yes. When we, we realize that all who are not buried in the rubble, all who are moving towards Jesus, have a role to play in this thing called the church. So this year, we're going to be a people that are open. Open to, to, to see others the ways that God sees others. Open to love others because Jesus loves them. We want to be a people who, who, who give, uh, continually give our lives away so that others might know him. And we want to be a people who grow from stepping out in faith, from doing some things that maybe we're not used to or things that are just scary or we don't know about, and to see what God might bring about in our hearts today. So let's pray this morning, church. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the ways in which you are leading us as your church and as your people. And Lord, in just a moment, we're just going to sing very quickly words together that, that we really believe. That we're going to sing together with one voice, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. May you lead us into new places and spaces within our community. May you give us hearts and eyes to see those in which you love and have poured your life out for, and those in which you are continually drawing to yourself. May we be your people. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for the benediction as we go today. The blessing, the charge as we scatter back out into the world. God's church, God's beloved, may you go from this place 
with open hearts to see people as God sees people. May you go continuing to give your life away and may we anticipate the growing that God will bring about in your life. Go in action and go in peace.